When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Metal Mike, and in this episode, I'm joined with my buddy Ryan, and we explore the top 15 from the year 2000 to 2005. Now, Metal was on a bit of a comeback at this point after its near death in the 90s. Many heavy hitters were back making music, they were reuniting, and they were getting back to their metal roots. Also, giving you a heads up, my recording project is coming, and it's called Rock Soldiers. It's straight up melodic hard rock, and I know you're going to love it. It's playing right now in the background. First single, Never Given Up, should be out very soon. So keep a lookout for that one. Well, hey, we got a lot to cover, so let's get started. Check it out. All right, well, Ryan, welcome back to the 80s Glam Metal Cast, man. How are you? I'm great, thank you. Thanks for having me again. Hey, no problem, man. I appreciate you giving your time to the 80s Glam Metal Cast. It's much appreciated. <laughs> always. 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 It's well, for a great cause. <laughs> well, this is an interesting one. Um, we're going to focus on the 2000s, particularly uh, 2000 to 2005. I think it would have been tough to, to try to break down each year uh, bet- you know, during that time frame because there wasn't a ton of metal releases during that period. But I think if you look at that five-year bracket, there's, there's quite a bit to talk about. What do you think? Yeah, when you first brought it up, I thought, oh, interesting. This is different. And then, of course, as usual, we dig into it, and I go, damn. This is good. And, and for me, it was a very comfortable time period because I graduated high school in 99, so I was still at home for a couple of these years, and it was it brought back a lot of memories, and it was kind of like these uh, releases that came out at that point were kind of like my albums because yeah. I wasn't buying them during the heyday, per se. Uh, I was kind of discovering things as um, the 90s and early 2000s went on, so... It's a cool era for me to revisit, to be honest. Yeah, you know, I mean, we all know the dark, the 90s were kind of the dark ages for, for our metal. You know what I mean? It was kind of like either bands were putting out stuff and it was doing nothing. A lot of bands broke up. Uh, they were getting kicked off major labels. It was it was a bad time, right? We talked about that a little bit on the 1991 episode. But I feel like once we got to the 2000s, a lot of things were starting to change. People were getting nostalgic again, and they missed their old heroes of the 80s. And when you look back, you know there were some big tours and stuff that happened. Like Motley Crue went out uh, with Megadeth for New Tattoo. I think it was Poison and Cinderella went out uh, in the two early 2000s. So it was starting to pick up some traction with the touring and people were kind of getting back into it again. So it, it was it was a good time, a lot better than the 90s for sure. Yeah, I think it was right at 99, 2000. I saw my first uh, real, real big package, and it was um, Slaughter, Dawkins, Cinderella, and Poison. And it was really cool. Nice. And at the time, and this is like kind of like the theme of this whole thing, at the time I thought, oh, man, these guys are getting old. They look a little <laughs> older. And I'm going, oh, my God, that was 22 years ago, imagine what they look like now <laughs> compared to how I thought they were then. They were, yeah. they were oh, yeah. young men in their late 30s, early 40s at that point. 
Yeah, I do the same thing when I think back to like when Kiss got back together in the 90s. So at that time, I was like, oh man, those guys are old. And then now I look back and I'm the same age as they are there. So it's like, oh, oh you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, exactly where I'm at. Uh, all right, man, let's bust through this. Um, let's hear your number 15. Cool. All right. Well, my number 15, I kicked around between Firehouse's O2 and Tesla into the now. And I went with Tesla. Um, it stood out a little bit more. I got the album when it came out, and I think as a gift, and I liked it. Um, but it was an updated version of what Tesla sounded like in the 80s and 90s. So it was um, it was hard. It was good. It had great guitar tones and good drums. It was just it kind of the theme of this whole thing is going to be that, like, uh, it was almost there. It was mm-hmm. almost like it was in the heyday, but not quite. But... It's still a solid album. They went with some good, uh, good song choices, and Jeff Keith still had that voice of his, and I, I, I still like it. I don't I haven't mastered it, but definitely it's like number five of my Tesla in my, in my ranking. Mm-hmm. I remember them having some some music out at that time that was pretty decent, but now it kind of all escapes me. Uh, and that's what it might be for a lot of people that, you know, when they look back at some of these albums, like they kind of remember there was something going on, but maybe it didn't stick with them. And that's kind of what we'll probably deal with it with our placement. Some of these albums have stood the test of time for me and some of them haven't. So what I've got for my 15 is I've got um, Scorpions, uh, Unbreakable. And for me, I thought it was like, okay, Scorpions are kind of finally back. They went to some weird areas. You know, like I didn't think the Pure Instinct album was really good. And then they did that Eye to Eye, which was really weird. So they really were going in some weird directions. I don't think the songwriting was there. And this was the first one in a long time that really felt like, okay, wow, this is like the Scorpions that I like. This is what I remember. And some of the tunes that stand out, like Love Them or Leave Them, uh, Deep and Dark. And I think my favorite song is, is Can You Feel It? got that big 80s chorus can you feel it you know, could be like a, a pepsi commercial or a coke commercial but i love it man yeah, yeah totally yeah they, like i said they were rocking again they were writing good songs catchy stuff very reminiscent of the 80s but i dig that album well i'm gonna hold off on commenting on this one okay <laughs> <laughs> it may appear uh i did see him on this tour and it was really cool so uh, nice. but, yeah we'll get into that well how about 14 right on 14 so a lot of these, um, because we had this five-year time frame, I actually have um, multiple albums for one artist um, in a, a couple choices, sure. and I'm not going to obviously get in, get into all, uh, separate them all out, but I have Dio, so I have Magicka, Killing the Dragon, and Master of the Moon. So this one was cool for me because... Um, to me, Dio is always consistent. It's just that blistering kind of uh, the, the, the hard, dark, and heavy blistering Dio that I'm very used to. And he really didn't change much. I I, I love his catalog. Um, the, the main difference was Craig Goldie was on Magicka and um, uh, Master of the Moon, and then Killing the Dragon had Doug Aldridge. And you could definitely tell. Yeah. Um, just having the ear, I'm sure that we, we do, you could definitely tell. Uh, there's not too much of a departure, a little bit from the, the 80s kind of keyboard-laden deal, but the one consistent guy is my man Simon Wright, formerly of ACDC on drums, yeah. so I got to preach him a little bit. Yeah. So you put all three of those at 14? I did. I okay. just made it. I just Dio's releases in that <laughs> time frame, 
That's cool, man. You know, because, yeah, they just, I, I like that era of Dio. Yeah. Like I said, this we're doing a five-year block of 15 choices. This is unprecedented. There's no rules, right? You can do anything you want. Uh, and I will comment <laughs> by saying my number 14 is Dio, Master of the Moon. I put that right there. And um, nice. there's so many cool songs, man. Like I said, I love what Craig Goldie's doing. Dio, like, I don't think he's ever made a bad album. You, there might be ones you like better than others, but he's really, he's very consistent. He's always, always sounds great. Has some interesting lyrical things going on. And, uh, you know, One More for the Road. That's such a cool song. And he's got a lot of cool like chuggy stuff on that one like um shivers and death by love a lot of you know the kind of chuggy type yeah. stuff and i dig all that man. Yeah. i love it and uh, living a lie there's just so many cool songs on there so I-, I love that one so i'm glad you picked that and i picked it too cool nice perfect timing 13 13 so <laughs> this one you're gonna laugh at me and it's gonna surprise everyone this is not 80s glam metal this is Don Henley, Inside Job. <laughs> I know you can laugh at me all you want. I really like Don Henley. And and it's one of those guys that came out with an album after like 12 years, super successful solo artist. Obviously, he was an eagle. I liked this album a lot when it came out, and I'm totally showing some of my underbelly right now. I'm <laughs> talking about my love for uh, Don Henley, which is kind of... Uh, it's it's really not allowed on the 80s by metal cast, but I'm throwing it out there and giving him a little respect because after all, he played drums for Guns N' Roses at one point, I think. So, oh my God. <laughs> so there you go. Um, but yeah, like I said, just a little soft spot, but it, it reminds me of the good old days. It's kind of a throw like my dad used to play um, Don Henley, the Sunset Grill song mm-hmm. uh, quite a bit on up, and it just reminded me of that kind of that cool vibe. And I saw him on this tour, this nice little venue here in the Bay Area. Anyway, it was more so just kind of like a, a little tribute, a little reminiscent for that time frame for me. But uh, laugh, laugh it up, people. Man, I'm like so. I'm kind of like shocked. I'm like, should I just hang up or what? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so, all right. So wait a minute. No, no. Don Henley's cool, man. I, I respect him. But what was there a big like a single off it? I don't remember this at all. Was there a song I, I maybe yeah. would remember? What was it? Yeah, there was one called "Everything Is Different Now." Hmm. And it's got one of those big choruses, and it, it's kind of a building song. It's kind of a throwback to, like, mid-'80s uh, uh, Henley. And the rest of it's decent. It's, okay. it's like, typical. It's, it's pretty consistent. It, it's not as uh, kind of 80s catchy as um, Building the Perfect Beast or End of the Innocence album and all that stuff. But, I mean, it's right there. It, all it's right. almost there. There's cool. a, f- a few songs that are pretty close. Yeah. No problem, I man. I figured I'd throw them a bone. All right. Well, I, I got nothing to say about yeah, that I, one. I, I, I don't... <laughs> Yeah, I don't think the Eagles and Don Henley get enough publicity, so we got to preach them on the yeah. time, okay? Oh, yeah, they, they, nobody ever talks about them. They don't have any albums that have ever sold, you know, millions no. of records or anything. So, so my thirteen. Well, you know, this was a, a band that has kind of softened up uh, during this era. Is Bon Jovi, and I went with Bounce. And I really like this album, man. I don't know if every song is great, but I feel like this might be the last time that they at least tried to rock out a little bit. You know what I mean? Um, because, oh, yeah. Yeah, th- this has got some cool stuff. I love the title track, Bounce. I think that's the last song on it, and that's a rocker. Every Day, that was, that's a cool single. That's, that's a cool one. It's, it's, it's kind of rocky, and it's real catchy. Uh, Misunderstood is kind of like... You know, them trying to be like third eye blind or something. But it works, man. It's a cool song. Undivided. And one thing I want to mention about Undivided, 
And you'll see this kind of a consistent pattern on some of the different albums we talk about. Uh, there's a lot of references to like 9-11 and to how like people, the country reacted to 9-11. And, and that song is definitely about that. So it's kind of interesting. I'm sure there might be some that you'll talk about. I know I've got a few more where, you know, the 9-11 theme does come up. And then Hook Me Up, I think that's a great song. So I really like this album. This is probably the last album of his that I really have any tolerance for. But yeah, Jovi, man. <laughs> no, I'm right there with you in terms of uh, your last comment. That That is, that's the last one I paid attention to. Uh, since then, it's been pretty embarrassing. So, yeah, yeah I think uh, that this album had all the hits that you talked about, or your choices, I should say, that you talked about. Probably, I agree on those. So, uh, I was right there with I don't have any Bon Jovi on my list. I thought about it, but, uh, eh. Oh, I was. I left him off. This is our <laughs> soft spots. Don Henley and Jovi. All right, what do you what do you got for what do you got for twelve? There we go. Uh, let's let's move on to the hard hitters again. Let's go okay, with the heavy cool. shit. I got uh, I, I got Billy Idol, Devil's Playground. So um, okay, just kind of yeah. He came back with this album. We had that song called Scream. And it was a single, but it's definitely my favorite song on the album. And obviously, you know, they chose it as a single. It's a standout. Um, it, it's like if Generation X and modern Billy Idol had a baby. That's kind of how this one is. There's a lot of punk to this album. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I, I got it on the strength of that album, Scream. I, I saw him that year in October of this of, uh, the year it came out at this little tiny club in uh, Santa Cruz where I live. And he um, was in prime Billy mode, man. It was it was cool the way he he worked to the crowd because I saw him at a like a two or three thousand seat theater like a year prior and it's not like he lost any momentum. Mm-hmm. But uh, he really works the crowd. He kind of starts off mellow and as the show goes on, he just gets more and more energetic and he's in great shape. His voice sounded great, so I actually really like this album when it came out. I still play it once in a while. Wow! I once again, it's one of those ones where I vaguely remember him having an album out at that time, but. I can't really remember anything about it. I've never been huge into Billy Idol, but I I've always liked like his hits, you know, and, and most of the stuff, you know, that that most everybody else knows. So got no problem with Billy Idol, but I'm not familiar with this one. Yeah, yeah, it's worth checking out. All right, so number twelve, I'm I am going a little heavier, so I'm going Megadeth. Uh, the system has failed. And I love this album, man. This was supposed to be a Dave Mustaine solo album. And, of course, you know, record companies, they ain't going to let that happen, man. We got to put the Megadeth name on there. So he's playing with all studio musicians. I don't even know if it matters because he pretty much drives, you know, steers the ship of Megadeth. Uh, I think Megadeth had some misses kind of before this. Risk was really, really bad. World Needs a Hero was kind of a step in the right direction. But when you go back and listen to that today, that's got some weak spots. Um, This one was definitely... I think Dave was back with his songwriting, like Kick the Chair, The Scorpion, Truth Be Told, Back in the Day is kind of like an old school metal song talking about like, you know, if you were there, man, you know what it was all about, the metal, you know, back in the day, and uh, I love Of Mice and Men, so I feel like there's some of that catchy, melodic metal that that we remember from Euthanasia kind of slipping in on there, so yeah, I love that album, Uh, and once again, Megadeth for me has always been spotty, I don't care for some of the earlier albums, it really kicks in at Rust in Peace, and then you know, then you have some fall off, you know, in the late '90s. So, so Megadeth always hit or miss, but I thought System uh, Has Failed is a great album. So that uh, album Risk is the one where they they went like more hard rock than heavy metal. Yeah, right? and, and, yeah. So. And it's not even good songwriting. That that was, like I can deal with Megadeth trying to be hard rock, but when you go back, like the songwriting is not there. Like I never caught my ears what what's on that album. 
Got it. Yeah, I remember that album. Uh, this album, I, I, I got nothing to say. I, I don't, I don't, his acquired taste voice is a yeah. little much for me. I, I like, <laughs> I like his, uh, I like his growl and I like his guitar playing. That's kind of as far as I go with, mm-hmm. with Megadeth. I, I did like when they went late 90s hard rock because it, it sued me and appealed to me a little bit more. I got, I got nothing on this album. It's all good, man. We're, I know we're going to sync up here as we get going. Uh, what, what's your what's your eleven? <laughs> My eleven. I wonder if it's going to be up at the top for you. TNT, My Religion. Oh yeah. So uh, I, I probably should have put this one higher, but admittedly, I just I haven't listened to it enough. When I bought it i thought damn like this is true to form this is yeah. really good um and again this is the epitome of like ah they're old now but yeah now looking back uh not at all right <laughs> um but but it's that um the site called heavyharmonies.com it's, it's just got everything every it's just this huge yeah. reference site for all, all things and uh, that's actually uh, who screwed me on the Steelheart year for 1991, <laughs> by the way. I'll be <laughs> careful with these websites you go on. <laughs> they got the wrong I years. Know, I know. I know. Jesus. So, um, but but this album, this contains a lot of hits. And the reason I bring up Heavy Harmonies is because, uh, man, it was preached well. Because it used to be before Twitter and mm-hmm. all social media, that, that was where we exchanged comments on these things. Mm-hmm. So you'll see these comments from you know, 2000 to 2004. And there's all these comments by people and, and man, people love this album. So I, I did revisit it recently and it's pretty damn good. Yeah. I, I, I feel like a dick for not listening to it more when I bought it. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Um, I'm going to hold off. I'll, I'll give cotton. Of course, you know, it's on there. It's, uh, it's, it's up higher than this. So <laughs> good. I'll comment well, on you it. know, it deserves it. Like I said, I should have put a high. I'm glad it deserves it. <laughs> So for 11, it's a band right now that is kind of surrounded with a lot of controversy, but I'm not going to talk about the political aspect of it, and I'm talking about an album that I heard way before any of the controversy, and that's uh, Iced Earth with Glorious Burden, man. I I don't care. I love this album. Uh, it's It's like a heavy metal history lesson with all these different figures of different wars and stuff. It's a super smart album. Um, and we got Tim Ripper wow. Owens on it. And I, I, I'm going to say this. People might not agree with me. The work that he does on this, it just works better for me than the work that he did with Priest. Yeah. my opinion i think this is like the perfect album for him and um he just shines on it and there's so many cool songs man declaration day this song has a song that is referenced to 9 11 i think it's called when the eagle cries um but he gets into all this stuff like green face um attila the hun valley forge is a song on there about you know the revolutionary war and then the whole thing has like an epic ending where it's all about the civil war so super cool album it's it's definitely like a nerdy history album but the music is so good it's so 80s metal and then you mix in tim owens voice it's a killer one i don't know if you ever heard that one man but i know you would love that if you go back and check it out well i'm sold now i um i listened to it when it came out because i heard that he was the singer for it and Mm -hmm. i thought what a great matchup that is and it's about time i get into this band um i haven't paid attention to it 
since then. Yeah. So now it's 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 going to be a fun little homework lesson to to revisit this album. So I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. Yeah. That's killer, man. That's killer. What do you got for ten? Ten. I did the same thing I did with Dio. I got Sammy's two albums, Sammy Hagar. I got ten thirteen and Not for Sale. So okay. I had to lump these together. Just um, you know, the era of Sammy in, in the early 2000s was pretty cool. He's still feeling very post Van Halen freedom. Really, he's he's kind of doing his own thing and um, just kind of making the most of him being solo. Ten thirteen. That's his birthday. It's his, it's his, like his artistic baby. His, um, he, he goes kind of everywhere stylistically on that album. It still rocks, but a little bit more style variance. And um, not for sale. It's more consistent hard rock. His voice is still super pure. Uh, there's a there's a song called The Message on, on 1013 that um, it's full. I guarantee you it's a balance. The, the album Balance by Van Halen. I guarantee you it's an outtake oh, on that sure. album. I mean, it, mm-hmm. it, it sounds so damn close. Uh, but again, revisiting kind of the, the this era of these bands is, is pretty cool because you get hungry for their older stuff and you get kind of over it because you heard it so many times and I go, shit, I kind of need to pay attention again to the stuff that came out 20 years ago because, man, it was pretty good and they still sounded young and fresh. So, yeah, yeah. that's that's what I got for for 10. Nice. As you know, not a huge Sammy Hagar fan, not familiar with Mm -hmm. any of his uh, 2000 output, so I will move on. (laughs) I'm going to just... Yeah, no problem. The person that I'm a huge fan of that you, I don't think you're super into is I've always been huge into Sabotage and John Oliva... um, got a band going called John Oliva's Pain and he did an album called Taj Mahal and what's so cool about Taj Mahal oh what do we got there what's that a motorcycle uh, it might be an airplane oh an airplane okay <laughs> <laughs> I'm like talking I'm like hearing some weird noise um, but it's um, it's Taj Mahal and uh, the, the last Sabotage album that was ever done was called Poets and Mad Men and I did not like that one and it was weird I've always was huge into Zach Stevens and I was always huge into John's voice but for some reason I just thought that his voice didn't sound that great I wasn't really into the songs Poets and Mad Men just never worked for me and then when this came out I was like it renewed my faith in John Oliva. I thought his voice sounded refreshed, sounded like he could really hit the notes again, and there's so many cool sabotage elements, and it looked no further than the song The Dark. He mentions all kinds of sabotage songs in there, um, but then all the classic stuff like Nowhere to Run, Walk Alone, he's got the piano, so it's just a super, super cool album, and um, it kind of renewed my faith in John Oliva and the sabotage sound, so yeah, that's my number 10. I'm sure you probably never heard that. Nice, you know, you know, I, I haven't, but I do. I really like Sabotage, actually. They, they um, from Hall of the Mountain King, a uh, couple albums before that, and I, I think, was it Fight for the Rock? Is that, was, mm-hmm. that was the, is that what it's called? The one that we discussed once before, and it kind of sucked? Yeah, for, Fight for the Rock sucked, yeah. <laughs> they, they, they all yeah, hate it, was, too. Uh, yeah, other than that one, I, I really dig that band. I was pretty obsessed with Hall of the Mountain King for oh, a while, gosh. so I'll have to check that out. Yeah, if you like Hall of the Mountain King, you'll like this, because it's definitely has some throwbacks to that. It's basically taking all the best of the different kind of sounds that Sabotage did and he kind of morphed them all together. But yeah, you'll love it, man, then if you like Sabotage. Cool. I'll check it out. Thanks. Number nine. Number nine, I got Scorpions Unbreakable. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I, I got it up there. I like it. Um, it's probably because I saw them at this point, mm-hmm. too, and they were just smoking live, and they, they didn't touch too much of their new stuff. They did more classics, which was kind of nice. But to me, when I went back and listened to it, it's like a, it's like the Love Drive era 
on yeah. 2000 steroids. Yep. You know what I mean? Like, yep. it, it's got that, that old school era where it's as if they lost that Americanized edge that got them their success in their heyday. Mm-hmm. And it's not a bad thing at right. all. It just, it, it kind of dropped off. And that means it's kind of people that uh, really appreciate like the late 70s, early 80s Scorpions will be stoked on this album. Yeah. Versus people like me who, I like Love Drive, but, you know, from Blackout up through Face the Heat is kind of my groove for Scorpions. Mm -hmm. So I kind of like it when they're a little bit more uh, polished, Americanized. But I I dig this album. It kind of harks back. And then Klaus's voice is like a national treasure. So you got to put it on there. Definitely. Like I said, I had it on there. I wasn't exactly sure where to place it. But I knew that I loved it. And I knew that was really their, probably once again... One of the later, there's not too many albums of theirs that I dig much anymore, but that one is definitely one of them. Number nine, man, I'm just going to put it out there. Iron Maiden, Brave New World. And Bruce. So, as we we talked about, you know, like metal, people were getting nostalgia, and metal was coming back again, and and Bruce was back, you know what I mean? And a lot of people who maybe tried some different things, even though his solo stuff wasn't, it wasn't too off the wall, you could listen to it and be like, yeah, that's Bruce, you know, but but when he's in Maiden, and and once again, Maiden without him, don't get me wrong, man, I like Blaze Bailey, I had him on the podcast, I thought his new album that he did, more recent album, was really good, I don't even mind some of the stuff that he did when he was in Maiden. But let's just face it, that is the sound, man. I don't care about Paul Diano. I don't care about Blaze. Bruce in Maiden is the Maiden sound that, that really just makes the most sense. And I think the production is, is kicked up here. I think they're back on a major label. Everything's working. And I feel like this is some of the best songs ever. I'm not saying this is their best album, but at least the songwriting you know that kind of those catchy songs melodic songs they're intricate as well it's all there like the wicker man the title track mercenary out of the silent planet um it's just got everything that you would love if you love like any of those maiden albums from number of the beast to maybe um uh seven son of a seven son you know it's got all that stuff in there so this album was this the tour they did with queensryche and rob halford do you remember yeah this is the one they did yep yep Okay, cool, because I, I saw that. I, I had a, a Maiden-obsessed buddy, and we saw them, and, and oh, my God, the energy was back. Like, mm-hmm. that was an insane show. It was at a big amphitheater. Halford absolutely killed it. Queensryche was not good, okay. and Maiden Maiden was really good. And I, admittedly, I'm not the hugest Maiden fan. I like Bruce Dickinson's Tattooed Millionaire mm-hmm. probably more than I like Maiden. <laughs> I, know I can gonna, picture you being like that, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's more hard rock than heavy metal, but like, so I did check out this album again. I was thinking about putting it on the list just because Iron Maiden is Iron Maiden, but I don't know enough about them, and I'm yeah. not admittedly the hugest fan, so I left it off. I'm glad you got it on there. Yeah. They, they deserve the tribute. And you know what? And I listen to Maiden a lot, but I hadn't listened to this album in a super, super long time. And then I think when I put it back on, I was like, whoa. A, why have I have I not been listening to this album? And B, this <laughs> album is freaking amazing. It's got it just checks off all the boxes, so it's really good, really good, including killer artwork. Yeah, for sure, man, for sure. How about uh, how about eight? Eight. So I got my boys Jeff Leopard with the X or X. Ten album. Yes, I remember this so, one. Now this is a little softer for these boys. 
Oh, dude. Yeah. So this entire album for me is carried by the one song called Four Letter Word. And this this is like the standout, but like uh, redheaded stepchild of this album. It's the only song that appeals to me on the whole album. Okay. I love this song. It it is in my for sure my top ten, maybe my top five Def Leppard songs all time, and it's on this album. The rest of the album is <laughs> very interesting, and it's very acquired taste. It's very adult listening, neutered yeah. Def Leppard. It's a far far cry from. High and Dry Pyromania, but, you know, they had Euphoria, which was, like, definitely back true to form in 99, and then they had this album, and then they kind of got back to their hard-hitting stuff, but, yeah, other than Four Letter Word, that's the only reason I put it on the list and at number eight, Um, and that's kind of all I got to say about that one. Yeah, I think somebody gave me this CD, like a burn of the CD, and I remember thinking it wasn't horrible, but, you know... I was trying to think what was between this and slang, and it was Euphoria. And, and honestly, you know I'm not a huge Jeff Leppard guy, but I like Euphoria a lot, man. I, I Honestly, people are going to be like, what is your problem? But I think that's one of their best. I love Euphoria. I think it's so good. So, yeah, this was just way too weak compared to that one. Absolutely. And, I, yeah, I love Euphoria. So, yeah, this one, I don't know. It, it, a lot of people preached it when it came out, um, but not me. <laughs> All right, man. Well, number eight, I got Lizzie Borden, Deal with the Devil. And I'm telling you, man, I don't know if you've ever, you ever heard this one. I have not heard this album. I have all his 80s and stuff, but not this one. Okay, well, you got to go check this bad boy out because I don't know what's going on with this album. I'm hoping someday I've asked numerous times to have Lizzie Borden on the podcast because I will ask him about this album. This album is very confusing. It's all over the place. Some stuff sounds like it was recorded in the 80s. Some stuff sounds like it's 90s. Uh, you know, I don't know what's going on. The only thing I can say is there's one song on here called They Come Out at Night or We Only Come Out at Night or something like that. Great song. But if you, I was watching a YouTube video like in 90, it's from 93. So this would be a few years after Master of Disguise. And they play that song live. So I almost think some of this material was ready to go for a Lizzie Borden album in the 90s. And then it got dis, you know, just shot out the window because the whole model thing was imploding. But this album's so cool. You've got uh, There Will Be Blood Tonight, which is your total classic 80s sounding Lizzie Borden. Then you've got some weirder stuff like Zanzibar, which has like ethnic tones and all this kind of stuff in there um loving you is murder that one is total (laughs) typical lizzie borden we come out at night sounds kind of more modern era sounding the world is mine also sounds a bit a little bit more modern and then the classic one that i think ends the album or toward the end is this ain't the summer of love man so that is such i'm telling you if you love visual lies and all that stuff you gotta check this album out so good Shit, I'm sold, man. That's killer. I'll it's check it out. Another so one good. Time. So good. Nice. Good. What do you got? For, what do you got for seven? Seven. I got Hurricane Liquid Fury. Oh yeah, I forgot. I forgot about this one. Okay, Let, let's hear it. What makes this one so good? <laughs> Dude, I, I know. I like it. So, so I, I got into them. Obviously, I got the tapes of uh, the first. Uh, it was an EP, but it had a like what seven or eight songs on it. Um. And then the next two I like. I love Slave. I know you're not a big fan of Slave and Thrill. I love that album. But this one's great. I got it. Um, I got into Hurricane right around the time that this album came out. So 
to me it was like a new album it was pretty cool sure. so um pretty true form uh kelly hansen's voice is just it's like klaus it's just perfect at all times it's smooth he doesn't have any rasp in his voice so it's kind of funny when he does kind of go hard and raspy it's, it's pretty awesome mm-hmm. but it, it's updated but it's not too updated if you know what i mean so got one original member besides him and Jay Shellen who's the drummer yeah, yeah. and um, I, I actually uh, at that same little club in Santa Cruz um, Foreigner was playing I saw Kelly Hansen outside of the club and uh, just said what's up and got a picture with him nice an old crap an old crappy flip phone picture so it's all grainy and shitty now but <laughs> um, <laughs> the uh, I, I said hey man I love your new the new Liquid Fury album and at that point it was probably like 10 years old <laughs> and he goes oh the, the new album yeah right and I go, well new to me right anyway he, he laughed about it but he was really nice and respectable and uh or respectful i should say so anyway i really i enjoy this album there's, there's a ton of a ton of um diversity if you will in this album he's kind of got the the Sammy Hager thing going where he's like you know what this is kind of my deal now i'm gonna i'm gonna do what i want versus what the record label wanted mm-hmm. in the late 80s early 90s so he kind of went all over the place, but it, it's um, it's got some really heavy rockers and some good mid-tempo stuff. So, yeah, I thought it was a great comeback. You know, I have this one somewhere. I haven't heard it in a long time. I can't remember a single song on it. I I don't know. Just never. I maybe got to give it another chance. But like back in the day when I had it, it just never really registered with me for some reason. So, I, but I love Kelly Hansen's voice. I just don't. Yeah, know. Th- this is one of those yeah. where like these bands that come out with. The albums nowadays, they're they're not gonna get any new fans out of these right. albums. They might get like six or seven new fans, but what they will get is repeat fans. But sadly, they don't come out with material that's similar to what what they attracted millions to in their heyday. Yeah. So this album's one of those where this might even get new fans. Like that's how good this album is. I think. I gotta go back and check it out, man. But um, my seven yeah. was one that you had on your list already, which was TNT, My Religion, and uh, oh. yeah, man, I went I went back and listened to this recently, and, and I I remember when it came out too. But it, it it's just so good, man. It's so good. The title track, um, it, it's just oh, the whole thing, man. And you know what? And I gotta kick myself right now because I've, I have I, this was the only. One that I don't have any songs written down. <laughs> I wrote some oh. songs I wanted to mention. Oh, give give me a sign. Oh, you know, I didn't I didn't write any either. <laughs> I I'm trying to remember. Copy. Okay, <laughs> give me a sign is a great song. Everything you are. It's just it's kind of like that great mix of like the classic sound with a modern sound. And and Tony and and Ronnie are just just back, you know, because they did some experimental ones before this. There was yeah. um, like Firefly and. Uh, Transistor, Transistor right? right? So, yeah, they were kind of trying some different stuff, but I feel like this one, they're back. And this is kind of the theme. Like, you keep going through these 2000s albums. Everybody kind of cut back the bullshit and then got back to that sound that they were known for. So I love this one. And I know, like an idiot, I forgot to... Um, uh, write some of the song tracks, but one of the songs that I love is the one that goes down, down, but you know what I'm talking about? It almost sounds like I'm doing Teen Spirit. But... <laughs> I love that song. I just can't remember nice. what it's called. Yeah, it, it, it's one that I'm, I'm definitely going to go back and listen again. Even after I repeated it this time, I was like, okay, it's going to be on the list now. <laughs> but all right, man, what do you got for year six? All right, number six. So this one I did another combination, and I told myself that I wouldn't put any albums on here that were re-releases just because they were released in this time frame they could have been 
older albums that were re-released. But if I lumped it together, I got past that. <laughs> I got past that rule. So I lumped Y&T had Unearth Volume 1 and 2. Mm -hmm. And in the same couple years there, Dave Menachetti, the lead singer, put out a very good solo album. His first just called Menachetti. So, Unearth Volume 1 and 2 has really cool, long-lost, very late 80s-style Y&T, so it's more of the uh, outtakes from Contagious and Ken, and then uh, a couple soundtrack songs. But as for his first solo album, it's, it's really good. It, it's more of like a blues-hard rock. There, it, It's like a, a little bit toned-down Y&T, but still rocks. And, I, and it kind of got me thinking, like, so I wonder what Y&T, even though Dave Menachetti pretty much is Y&T, but like for other examples of bands that are an actual band that have a big name, like a Megadeth, I wonder if the rest of the band got a little bit pissed when he put out such a strong solo album. And, and they, it's like, why don't you save that for Y&T? Why don't you save that for Megadeth? You know what right. I mean? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so for, like, like that's how strong this album is. It, it would be a great Y&T album, especially in the early 2000s or now people would love it so it kind of got me thinking about like i wonder what was going on in the band at the time or why he decided to use this material for his own name and not not ynt so anyway great couple albums if you're into ynt unearth volume one and two has really good out really good outtakes um, or demos and then menachetti just has a shredding solo album all right does any of it sound like con contagious Oh yeah, there's, oh, there's, yeah. Uh, oh dude, I, I know that that's your album. Like, Contagious. <laughs> L.A. Rocks and Rhythm or Not. Oh dude, I could listen to those songs all day. <laughs> um, but but yeah, there's a couple songs. Um, Face to Face is one of them, and um, Wild if Wild if I Wanna. And I believe that and maybe Shout It Out were like Bill and Ted movie soundtrack or something. I can't remember what what soundtrack they were on, but. It's damn good stuff. I would definitely check out Unearth, and I would definitely check out Menachetti, which I kind of kicked myself for not knowing knowing about it more because I've seen YMP so many times because they're local boys to me, so they play all the time. But um, anyway, nice. That's that's my little grouping. I love it. Well, for number six, man, um, I had to go with Halford Resurrection. You kind of already mentioned Halford, and you know. Let's, oh, nice. This is that theme we keep talking about. So he did um, Fight, which I thought was great. And I think there's some fight in this album. Like, I hear a little bit of that sound. It's just a little touch mm -hmm. of it. And then he did Two, which was, you know, Trent Reznor, industrial type stuff. It's all fine and dandy. But he found his way back. And honestly, this is probably going to piss off some Priest fans. This album's a lot better than some of the Priest albums, in my opinion. I, I mean, once again, if you want to talk about saving an album for yourself versus doing it with your band, I mean, he was he had something to prove here, and it was it's just so good, man. Resurrection has that painkiller type of vibe, locked and loaded. I'm going to shoot it, I'm going to shoot it, because I'm locked and loaded. Yeah. 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 Such a cool song. Then he does The One You Love to Hate with Dickinson. Super cool. Then he's got all these cool, like, nerdy metal songs like Nightfall and Cyberworld. You know, he's kind of hearkening back to, like, some of the priest topics. And then I love the song Twist. That's toward the end of the album, and it's just super catchy. It's a little bit more of a slow heavy, but, man, that Halford Resurrection. And there's no other Halford album that even comes close in my book. That thing kicks ass. 
Nice. Uh, I, I left it off my list, and it was it was uh, an alternate. Definitely, um, I need to revisit this album and listen to Twist, because I remember a few of the songs really stood out, and that was probably one of them. Yeah. But, dude, when I saw this grouping, when it was Maiden, Queen, Drake, and Halford, dude, Halford, I almost want to say he stole the show. If it weren't for Bruce coming back, back to Maiden, Maiden, yeah, yeah. It, he would have absolutely cleaned up, and then he would have stole that show. But uh, he played a lot of good classics, a lot off this album, and he sounded killer as usual. Awesome, man. What do you got for five? Five, I did the ultimate no-no, and I put a live album. Oh, no, you <laughs> so can't do that. No, you can do that. You can do it. I, 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 I had to. So I got Britney Fox, Long Way to Live. Sweet. And the reason, the reason is because I am such a Tommy Paris fan. I love Bite Down Hard, and it has seven songs of Bite Down Hard nice. on this album. And I don't know how much of this album was doctored, but his vocals are so killer. And I've preached Bite Down Hard for so long that this album really appealed to me. Yeah. Um, and he also, killed, he also killed it with the Dizzy uh, songs. Yeah. And I don't know, man, this, this live album, if it's truly live, it's, the, the dude's got an unbeatable voice. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, um, anybody who follows the podcast had just interviewed... Uh, Tommy Paris, and that's out there, and, and he he's super cool. He's got a super cool new solo album out too, man. So he he still got all those chops, and I wouldn't doubt that uh, you know a lot of that stuff was probably done live, and maybe with a little bit of touch ups. But this dude, he he's talented, man. He's super talented. So he, I think he can do anything. Nice, I like it. And I even brought up Jilson. Oh, killer! I can't, <laughs> yeah, I saw it came out on YouTube. And then Spotify is a little bit delayed, like a few days after yeah, YouTube. Yeah, it should be it'll be and it's just, yeah. yeah, so I'll, I'll check that album or the interview out right when it comes out. Nice, nice. This one was a tough one. I was wasn't sure. I had it ranked higher, and then it kind of slipped down. Everybody knows I'm a big Manowar nut, and Manowar once again was on was on a huge hiatus. They did an album in '96, Louder Than Hell. Wasn't ever super into that album. I think it's okay, but I didn't. I don't think it's one of their best. And I, I was hungry for another Manowar album. So by you know 2002, we got Warriors of the Wolf. Warriors of the Wolf. If you've never heard that one, at least go listen to that song. It's such a catchy sing-along metal anthem. And the cool thing about this whole album. I think Manowar was getting the catchiness down. These almost are like it's it's still warrior metal, but it's like almost like pop warrior metal. You know what I mean? It's pop power metal okay. because they've got it's real catchy stuff. They sing a song about you know lobbing off your head, but it, you'll sing along to it. It's catchy, and uh, so you know it, like Call to Arms is like that. It's the first first song on the album. Fight till we die. Um, there's some weird spots. Eric Adams does Nasse Dorma, which is an opera song, but there's one part which some people may think is cheesy but i always thought it felt pretty powerful is they do american trilogy which is like a elvis cover i've never heard this by elvis i've only heard the manowar version but i'm telling you man when he starts talking about uh you know your daddy's born to die and all my trials will soon be over man that tugs at the heartstrings man you know uh, manowar get me misty-eyed but but uh i was just happy to see manowar back I don't know if it's one I circle back to as much as I did back in the day, but I was really stoked to have that new Manowar album in the in the early 2000s. Damn, nice. Again, I ignored it just because of the year it came out. Yeah. I, I have most of their 80s stuff, uh, but I, again, 
more homework. Got to check it out. Yeah. All right. Well, we're cruising along, man. We're we're making fast work of this uh, five year block. What do you got for four? Yeah, totally. So number four, I got the kings of my 1992 favorite year. I got Hardline Two. Sweet. So yeah, I got it up there, number four. Ten years after they came out with Double Eclipse, uh, Gioli, the singer, was an actual Rudy Pell, and uh, came out with some really good albums with him. The German guitar player. Um, they got Josh Ramos on guitar now, as opposed to Neil Sean. Um, he was in a band called Lee Mans and uh, The Storm. And then they got Bob Rock on drums. So wow. the reason I chose this is because I really, really loved the band before Hardline called Brunette. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Brunette released some demo albums, and the quality is terrible. I mean, they're, gotcha. the songs are amazing and catchy. And if you can get through the terrible quality of the production just because they were demos at the time, they are so damn catchy that I would almost want to redo the whole album and, and put it out. Like, that's how good these songs mm-hmm. are. But on this album, they came out with uh, Do or Die and Your Eyes, which is formerly called Blue Eyes, that are both brunette songs. So mm-hmm. to me, those two songs kind of carried this album because I finally got to hear brunette like it should have been produced in the right, first place. Right. So, um, like I said, those two songs alone, um, it's just awesome to hear those. Uh, but it's a good album all around. It was a little bit more modernized but the sound's still pretty true to form and his voice is still amazing and, and even to this day I watched him do a, a acoustic version of um, Hot Cherie Hot Cherie um, that's the only song I know about these guys <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly and dude it sounds better now I mean it sounds exactly like Double Eclipse hmm. so the guy's got such a wonderful strong thick voice I love Hardline you know that yeah. um, they kind of lost me with a few of their other 2000s albums, but if I ever got a chance to see them live, man, I'd love that. So, yeah, they're up there at number four. Cool. I'm not super familiar with Hardline. I mean, I know who they are. I've heard of Brunette, um, but I've never really been, besides the big single there, Hot Sharia, that's the only song I know. So I'll go back and check out that one, man. Well, number four, yeah. uh, continuing the theme of people coming back, not, not that he ever really went away, but... Uh, Alice Cooper, man, he kind of faded out. Like he did the Last Temptation, which I thought was a great album with your buddy Steph Burns uh, in 1994. Oh yeah, my buddy. And um, that was it, man. I, I kind of thought Alice was never going to do original material again. I think Alice took that uh, mindset that you know it's not really happening right now. Let's just lay low. We'll, we'll, you know, maybe write songs, but we don't need to put out any official releases. That did change <laughs> in the 2000s when he released Brutal Planet. But we're not talking about that one yet. We're going to talk about the eyes of Alice Cooper. And I just think Alice Cooper just made some of his best music during the 2000s. I really believe it. Don't get me wrong. I love oh, all wow. the 70s and the 80s stuff. But there, this, I, I mean, I can really respect what he's done. Because a lot of people, you know, Kiss and some of them have put out stuff. And it, it's kind of questionable. Like, you just don't know if it has the quality as the, uh, you know, stuff they did in the past. But Cooper, I believe, really has. This album's pretty cool because... It's kind of influenced by the garage rock that was kind of going on at this time. This was, I think, came out in 2003 or four, And, like, bands like Jet, you know, kind of bringing back that classic rock, you know, Stones, DC kind of a sound. Yeah. And that's what Alice Cooper kind of does on this one. He kind of tones it down. And he's letting his sarcasm and commentary of, like, how goofy us Americans are. You know, he's doing, what do you want from me? 
Uh, I'm stuck somewhere between high school and old school. And one you got to check out. If you don't know this song, Ryan, you got to go back and listen to the song Novocaine. It, it definitely sounds like it could be like a Desmond Child type of a song. Not that it has that huge 80s sound. It's just super, super catchy. Like it could be a, a Desmond Child 90s song. I'm telling you, go back and check out uh, Novocaine. And another one that is also catchy that sounds like an Alice Cooper 80s song is um, <laughs> Love Should Never Feel Like This. That's what Love Should Never Feel Like This. That and Novocaine, man. Check out those those two songs because they're super catchy. And he does the cool Detroit City where he's kind of paying homage to all the people before him and stuff. So great, great nice. hard rock, classic rock type sounding album by Coop. Cool. Yeah, I'll check that out, especially that one song. So that's, yeah. that's exciting. Yeah, you got to check those out. Well, we're getting down to the wire. Um, what do you got for three? Man? Yeah, we are. Number three, got my boys in Crocus. I got Crocus. Rock the Block. Sweet. You're, you're a Crocus nut. I am. Totally <laughs> am. They're right there. They're up there. <laughs> um, so they got 14 songs on this album, which I thought was pretty cool. Um, and they're all very consistent, very true to form. Um, again, it's a quote-unquote comeback album um the singer mark storacci came back in 95 and they released to rock or not to be which is a fantastic album and then left again they had a, a different singer put out an album and then they came back again with rock the block and it really it's a great comeback album um very solid much like they played it safe much like newer acdc uh it, it's it's less of the ripping 80s crocus with you know, no no synthesizers, of course, mm-hmm. and it's just not as metal, but it's it's just kind of safe hard rock. Like I said, just a little bit newer ACDC mm-hmm. stuff. But if you are kind of longing for more Crocus, and you ignore this kind of these albums in the two thousands, this is probably where I'd start. So I plan on actually spinning this a lot more, just because of the fact when I revisited it, I thought, damn, I mean, I forgot about these songs. I'm mm-hmm. missing out. So. Great comeback, solid album, very consistent. Nice. Um, not a huge Crocus guy, but something definitely to look into, man. All right, I like it. Yeah. Um, I'm busting on my three here, man. Motley Crue, new tattoo. Um, nice. Now, it's not their best. Okay, on many crew lists, this can be pretty low on the totem pole. You know, before I even get into the bus, there's a lot of, I like to call it kind of like forced cheese on this album, right? Like it's, it's like they're, you know what I mean? they're trying so hard to be them old, their old selves that sometimes, some of it comes across a little bit on the cheesy side. But here's where we can throw the button. There are some cool tunes on here. Uh, Treat Me Like a Dog. I, I don't know. It's stupid, but I like it. <laughs> first band on the moon. First band on the moon is, is killer. I don't care what anybody says. Fake. Fake is pretty cool too. Fake is definitely just telling uh, you know all the stories about how they were abused by you know fat cats at record labels and all the stupid crap that they did. Uh, white punks on dope. Yeah. Uh, she needs rock and roll. The ballads are cool. Uh, Hollywood ending. Um, you know uh, what was the other one on there? Oh, new tattoo is the title track. And then uh, he's in love with a porno star. All this stuff. I mean, it, it's definitely like. 
the punky, too fast for love vibes are kind of filtering back in. The 80s sing-along stuff is, is filtering back in. You know, we went in some weird directions. We did Motley 94. We did Gen Swine. But um, I think, like, Crew did their best with what they were working with. Um, but I never cared for Helen High Heels. I feel like that's a super lame, forced song. And I hate that they use a lyric line in that song that's used in on the Jen Swine album, it's the uh, HIV VIP. They say that in Beauty, so that's why that could be why I have a vendetta against that song. But that's what I say about the wow. new okay. tattoo. What do you well, got? For, what, um, do you, what do you think? By process of elimination, I will not comment. Oh, okay, you will know where it may come up after <laughs> I say my next one. Okay. <laughs> so my number two is ACDC Step Up or Lift. So you can bet now my number one might Oh, be. <laughs> gotcha. Yes. Well, you got to have DC and crew on, on the top of your list. So this makes sense. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So with number two, ACDC Step Up or Lift, um, it's kind of sad because this was my last ACDC album that I was genuinely excited for mm-hmm. and bought immediately and obviously learned all the songs and solos, etc., etc. Um, oddly, it's my favorite performance out of any of my ACDC concerts. I've seen them almost 10 times mm-hmm. and this was one of my favorite, this was my favorite show that they ever performed. And it, it's weird because it was kind of like a, an odd era timing for ACDC. You'd think that his voice is getting worse and worse, but it was, it was just a great show. I don't know if it was where I was sitting in the arena or what, but it really kicked my ass. Um, there's some pretty good standouts, song called Give It Up. Uh, Meltdown, Satellite Blues, Damned. It's kind of like a dark song, but if you're going to kind of kick ACDC for singing, doing the whole every song sounds the same thing on the album, this is the album to say that about. <laughs> 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 but it's good. I mean, so everything post Step Up or Lip, there was like two songs per album that I liked, but like this last album, I I didn't even buy it, which is sad because they're still my number one always and forever band. Right. But I didn't even buy this new one, this new one they just released. But right. um, yeah, but this is that album where I almost had it as number one just because they're my boys. But anyway, it's still a great album. It's still quality work. Yeah, I'm not a big DC fan, but like I remember the song Stiff Upper Lip. That was a single, right? It was, yeah. The yeah. first single in video. Yeah, I mean, it seemed on par with what they do. You know what I mean? I, I didn't see any problems with it. But oh, yeah. I don't think I'm educated enough to, to make any more comments on it <laughs> no worries <laughs> all right so number two this is gonna probably throw people off like this is kind of an oddball choice but hopefully i can explain it but um for number two i got circle to circle watching in silence I'm moving on. I'm moving on and that is Zach Stevens' band from uh, Sabotage. And I'm huge, yeah, yeah, huge, huge, huge into the Edge of Thorns album. Um, that's one of yeah. my favorites by Sabotage. And to me, this is the closest that we've ever got to like a proper follow-up or you know, in line with that album. And the cool thing, too, is you've got, you've got John Oliva uh, helping out with the writing. You've got Chris Caffery from... Um, from Sabotage as well in there. And it's just so cool, man. It's definitely got, like, Sabotage, but kind of mixed with some more modern metal that was going on at the time. And I love Zach Stevens' voice. We've got, like, Out of Reach. The title track has got that piano, like, power ballad type thing that Sabotage is known for. Lies is a great song. The Circle 
And then Fields of Sorrow ends the album off, and it does like that multi-vocal thing that they were kind of getting into around the Handful of Rain album. So if you like Sabotage and you never heard Circle to Circle, Circle, man, you got to go back and give it a listen. It's killer. Killer album. Nice. I'll definitely check it out again. I I do remember uh, this album. I remember liking it. I do like that era of Sabotage, so nice. more homework. Well, I think I know you're number one. So let's hear it. <laughs> we punch in the teeth. <laughs> yeah, I forgot to mention that one. That might be one of those corny ones, but you know, it's all right. So, dude, I had to go with Motley New Tattoo. Um, I know you like Generation Swine. I do. But to me, this should have been Generation Swine. This right. was their back to true to form, back to hard rock and Motley Crue to me. And I really like Randy Castillo on this album. Yeah. There was no lame Tommy Lee influence although i love tommy's drum playing right. don't get me wrong but there was none of his stupid 90s 2000s influence that he had yeah. on the band yeah um but like the song punched in the teeth i love so i i got all these hard rock magazines when i was uh, like a junior in high school from metal edge hit Prater circus all from like 83 to like 91 or two and i remember reading in a 91 or two magazine Nikki uh, talking about the song titles that they were writing for what would have been a 1992 Vince Neil Motley Crue album uh-huh. and Punched in the Teeth is one of those. Nice. nice. So this, this, like Lizzie Borden, this was laying around for years yep. and they revamped it and, and I dig that song. It's probably my favorite song on the album. Um, Fake, love that song. Yeah. New Tattoo. Uh, Hollywood Ending. Hell on High Heels I liked because it was the new crew to me it was the first single they were back to rocking out and I was like okay the guys are back I had to go number one Motley I I just I still really enjoy this album yeah yeah you know like I said I I got I got a special place in my heart for it like I said I got mixed feelings on it I don't it's not their best and there's I have I have issues with certain songs but I think they were on the right track they're on the right track for sure totally I totally agree Wow, this probably isn't going to be a shocker because I kind of mentioned this album already and, and now it's time to reveal it. But... It's uh, Alice Cooper, Brutal Planet. That's my number one. And I Damn, love nice. this album. I love it. I think every song is good. Uh, there's no other place I could put this thing, but uh, he he was back, you know. He was heavy. He was dark. He was still filtering in that sarcasm. Um, the title track, Brutal Planet, is so cool. Wicked young man, sanctuary. Uh, it's the little things. He's talking about, you know, you you talk to her in the movie, and he's gonna turn around and slit your throat. You know what I mean? He's gonna kill you <laughs> for talking to her in the movie. It's just stupid. You know, it's cheesy, but it's it's funny. And um, blow me a kiss. Just super powerful stuff. Eric Singer on the drums. Um, not exactly sure who else plays on that album, but um, it doesn't matter because, like I said, Coop, Coop drives the ship. His vocals, his his thoughts, his melodies, and you know, people say that it has like a Marilyn Manson influence a little bit, uh, Rob Zombie, and you know what, it does, but it's not to the point where. It's you know, and he well, hey, he can do that. He created that. He created those guys. He can do whatever the hell he wants. Exactly. But um, yeah, you know, some of it's there. But that you know, if you think about what 
um, Cooper has done, what Kiss has done. A lot of these artists will integrate new sounds into what they do. And just as we've talked about before, when Cooper did the the hair metal stuff, you know, that was not his traditional sound, but it worked. He can apply what he does to what's going on with the times. That's how an artist, you know, evolves and stays around for a long period of time. So great job with that one. I love it. I hadn't heard it in a while. I went back and listened to, the, to it the other night and definitely understood why I had it at number one. So that's what I got, man. Cool. That's great. That's a good choice. Um, that album, I remember seeing a lot of promos for that when yeah. it came out in, in all the metal magazines, and they, they kind of mentioned the same thing, that Alice was back, and yep. back to back to his mean, deep, dark, sarcastic roots. And yep. Yeah, I, I like this album as well. So another yeah. another good homework assignment, and, a, and I'm super pumped about all the kind of the new stuff that I'm going to go yeah. check out again. Cause, yeah. You know, this, like, like I was really surprised when this out al- this era really came through. So yeah. it, it's, uh, it's supplying a lot more material. Yeah. It's a good era. You know, like I said, metal was, was kind of getting back into people's consciousness. It wasn't, it wasn't lame anymore. It, it was coming back and it, there was things that were happening where, you know, people thought it was cool again. You'd go into Walmart and you'd see ACDC shirts. You know what I mean? You didn't have to hide this shit under the rug anymore. It was, it was coming back. You know, the bands were back out on the road. Uh, radio was embracing it again. You know, a lot of stuff where if it was a modern rock radio station, you know, they were filtering in something like looks that kill because now this was considered classic rock. So it was kind of working its way back into the consciousness of people. So, you know, like I said, I I was even, you know, not that I ever went away from metal, but I think I got more into it than ever during this time period because everybody was back and everybody was making music again. So there was something to get excited about again. So super, super cool block of music from, uh, from 2000 to 2005. I'm super pumped that you uh, suggested this because it opened my eyes to a a whole new uh, era of these guys that I want to revisit, and I'm, I'm I'm happy that we got to talk about them all. Yeah, and I'm hoping that these there's some albums out there that maybe people missed, and now they'll go back and hear this and go back and revisit these albums because it is a great era of, of music. And, uh, you know, maybe there were people that checked out. Maybe they didn't even know. Maybe they were still checked out when the 2000s came around and they didn't know that these albums came out and, and they missed them completely. So hopefully they'll go back and, and show them some love. Absolutely. All right, brother. Always a good conversation. We made good time. We, we banged through five years, 15 albums, um, and it was only all done in, uh, in an hour. So we did good. Perfect timing. <laughs> all right, man. Well, hey, have a good night, man. It, it was a good conversation. Absolutely. You have a good night as well. Well, that was great, chatting with Ryan about that glorious time period of the years 2000 to 2005. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. Rock on!